triune God who welcomes us here tonight. And he says to you, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, amen. Amen. And because God's given us that gift of his presence, we get to give that peace and presence to other people. So look someone in the eye and with a handshake or a hug or a high five, say God's peace to you. Go. God's peace, Carlos. God's peace, Josiah. God's peace. God's peace, Drew. God's peace, Adam. Thank you. Thank you. Special shout out. We got others. Okay. <laughs> all right. Everybody's feeling the love. We're all, we're all feeling the love. We're all feeling the love. It's all good. It's all good. Welcome back. Welcome back. Good to be together again. Good to be together. Uh, we are the hardy ones. We are the ones who stayed in this climate for the month of January. So uh, lots of extra points for that. Um, speaking of points, some of you live in the dorms where you're getting points for kilowatty things. Um, tomorrow, the sustainability coordinators will be leading worship, and so uh, come to chapel tomorrow. Woo for the sustainability coordinators, yes? Um, so come on for that, uh, and I think you get a little thing. Don't you, like, hand out something that says they were here, that they can, like, put in a box and get a point? I don't know how it works. It's how, that's how they used to do it, slips of paper. But you know what? It's 2019, so they may do things differently. Um, all right. <clears throat> so we have an offering every week here for the Community Care Fund. And um, one of the great gifts that you give to other people is that when a tragedy happens and they, they reach out, I'm immediately able to offer that. And I had the chance to do that this afternoon because one of our students lost his entire apartment in a fire last night. And he is fine, and his brother is fine, and their family dog who is staying with them because their parents are on vacation is also fine. Uh, it was very scary for them. They have lost everything. We have another student who is in the same building, but her apartment is, just has minor damage. Uh, so we're really uh, grateful that uh, he woke up and went to the bathroom and heard the sounds and saw the flames, and they were able to get out. But he's lost everything. He and his brother each also work for a church, and so their churches have stepped up. But I was able to say to him immediately, like, hey, the Community Care Fund is here for you. And um, so he was really grateful for that. We've also, through the magic of Jay Wise, who is awesome, for those of you who don't know Jay Wise, he's our housing coordinator, he was able to set up the guys in a suite in First Heisinga, um, so they'll be moving back onto campus for the interim until they figure out uh, what's going on for them. So we're going to be praying for Luke and Brandon Enders today um, in the loss of their apartment. Um, Luke was able to save his guitar, so that was a a significant thing. It's a little damaged, but it's mostly okay. So um, these things happen, and it's one of the ways in which we love each other is to say we're going to have each other's back when something like that happens. And so I want you to know that the little bit you give and give and give week in and week out for the Community Care Fund makes a difference. Those little things add up. 
Little things to care for creation add up, little things to give to each other add up. So now we have the opportunity one more time to give to the community care fund. So let's give as God has blessed us. I should put on an album. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray together. God, we do thank you for gathering us together. We thank you for the opportunity to study something intensely during interim. For some of us, it's a bit of a break. For others of us, it's a very intense class. But it's a different rhythm and a different routine, and we're grateful for it. We pray for all of those that we know who are traveling we pray for professors and staff members as they lead. Give them the energy they need. Give them good health. We pray for safety for everyone. And we pray, Lord, that as they explore different parts of your world, they will see how you reveal yourself, see how you show up. And we pray that if there's anyone who's struggling a bit in faith, that their time abroad will remind them that you are a God who reaches into every corner of this earth Reveal yourself to them in ways that surprise them, that excite them, that remind them of your deep love and faithfulness. And we pray that for us too. We thank you, God, the Father, that you are the one who created us in your image and you continue to create and recreate us. We're so grateful. We thank you that we have the opportunity to care for this planet 
And we pray in this month of January for those of us who live in the dorms and for those of us who are just doing it, that we will be uh, starting habits that become lifelong, ways of preserving the resources that we have on this planet and taking care of it for future generations. Lord, we know uh, this planet needs good leaders, and so we pray, too, that you call some of us to lead in this area, whether that's as scientists or politicians or people who run nonprofits. We pray that you raise up leaders to care for this planet that you have created. We thank you, Jesus, the Son, that you are the one who redeems us, and we long for the day when that redemption is fully complete. But we thank you that even now we see moments of redemption and moments of healing. We thank you that it was your protection around Luke and Brandon last night that allowed them to get out of their apartment. We thank you that no one in that fire was injured. And we pray for the community that is your hands and your feet in this world to to step up and care well for them. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who empowers us, who equips us to respond, to act as brothers and sisters and friends in this community together. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that in this month of interim, which for some of us is a little lighter, that you'll use the opportunity to prompt us to deepen our relationships, to take someone to lunch, to invite someone over to our table, to spend a little bit longer just being with each other, We pray that you draw us into true and deep friendships. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you have drawn us into our relationship with you, that you love us so much that you came and that you will come again. We thank you, triune God, for all the ways in which you reveal yourself to us, and we pray that we pay more and more attention. And we ask this all in the name of our Jesus. Amen. So for those of, us, those of you who are with us at the end of last semester, we collected cards that had your questions on them, your theological questions. And during this season of interim, we are going to be spending the next three Sundays answering some of the questions on those cards. Now, there were a lot of questions. We're not going to be able to answer them all in three Sundays. And so for those of you for whom your question isn't answered in one of the next three Sundays, and you're like, well, I still really want to know an answer to that, It could be very likely that I have preached about it in the past, and so Andrew's going to pull up for you. If you go to the archives, so campus ministries, go to worship, go to archives, and if you search in a keyword, for example, uh, if you search hell, for example, and you click search, look at all those things that could come up. Did you click the search, or is it just random now? Okay, it's probably because you do. If you do chapel, if you go to the, the right column, Andrew, if you just click loft, Archives, there you go. There. So there you go. You got a couple a couple sermons. I don't know why that godly man or woman pops up when you type in hell, but you can read your own into that. I don't know why that does. It does it every time. It does it for a lot of them. There must be a lot of tag, tag words in that. Uh, if you wanted to, to do evolution, for example, you can find that in there. Um, there you go. See, again, godly man or woman. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Creation, evolution, Adam and Eve, how did you create the universe? So, um, so there are a series on these different things, and if you're thinking, oh, I wonder if she's ever preached on this, um, type it in. And if you want to know if I preached on what does it mean to be a godly man or woman, obviously that I have. So that's also up there. So 
um, just FYI, if there's something that we're not covering, and if, if there's something that we haven't covered and I haven't preached on it in the past and you still have the question, come and talk to us. Uh, any one of the chaplains would be happy to have a theological conversation with you. We do that all the time. That's why we went to seminary. That's why we have all those fat books on our shelves. So put us to work. We love that. All right, so here's what it's going to look like for the next three weeks. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the nature of God, talking about the Trinity, in case all of the songs in worship leading up to right now haven't tipped you off. Tonight, we are talking about the Trinity. Next week, we are going to talk about predestination and free will. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's in the Bible. And then uh, the fourth week, we're going to talk about evangelism in the global context. Okay? So... Uh, so think about it like this. For who is God? What has he done for us? How do we get to tell other people about that? That's, that's one way to kind of think about the structure of the month, all right? So, um, <clears throat> so the Trinity. After Jesus ascended into heaven, his followers had to figure out what just happened. What, what was this? And very quickly, they came to some pretty clear doctrinal beliefs very early on in the church but they couldn't have a lot of public debate about it or distribute this widely because, as you know, the early church was repressed and banned and persecuted in different parts of the Roman Empire. So it wasn't until the 300s, when Constantine became a Christian, that, uh, that they were able to say publicly, these are, the, these are our documents, this is our canon, these are our doctrines. And so in 325 AD, there was the Council of Nicaea, who came up with the Nicene Creed, which is something we still use and worship today. So when you say the Nicene Creed, it's from 325. And they were very clear that Jesus was fully God, fully human, eternally begotten of the Father, not made, not a creature, fully human, fully divine. Now, as you can imagine, there are a lot of heresies that bubble up when we talk about the Trinity. Well, is the Trinity kind of like this? Or is it kind of like that? And to be clear... um, To keep us away from heresy, what better way to keep us away from heresy than by watching a cartoon? And so tonight, I give to you uh, St. Patrick's Bad Analogies for the Trinity, brought to you by Lutheran Satire. So, enjoy. Okay, Patrick, tell us a bit more about this Trinity thing. Yeah, Patrick, tell us. But remember that we're simple people without your fancy education and books and learning, and we're hearing about all of this for the first time. So try to keep it simple, okay, Patrick? Yeah, real simple, Patrick. Sure, there are uh, three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yet there is only one God. Don't get what you're saying here, Patrick. Not picking up what you're laying down here, Patrick. Could you use an analogy, Patrick? Sure. Uh, the Trinity is like uh, water and how you can find water in three different forms. Liquid and ice and vapor. That's modalism, Patrick! What? Modalism, an ancient heresy confessed by teachers such as Noetus and Sibelius, which espouses that God is not three distinct persons, but that he merely reveals himself in three different forms. This heresy was clearly condemned in Canon 1 of the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, and those who confess it cannot rightly be considered a part of the Church Catholic. Come on, Patrick! Yeah, get it together, Patrick! Okay, uh, then the Trinity is like uh, the sun in the sky, where you have the star, 
and the light and the heat. Oh, Patrick. Come on, Patrick. That's Arianism, Patrick. Arianism? Yes, Arianism, Patrick. A theology which states that Christ and the Holy Spirit are creations of the Father and not one in nature with him. Exactly like how heat and light are not the star itself, but are merely creations of the star. That's a bad analogy, Patrick. You're the worst, Patrick. All right, sorry. The Trinity is like uh, this three-leaf clover here. I'm going to stop you right there, Patrick. Yeah, hold your horses, Patrick. You're about to confess partialism. Partialism? Yes, partialism. A heresy which asserts that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not distinct persons of the Godhead, but are different parts of God, each composing one-third of the divine. And who confesses the heresy of partialism? The first season of a cartoon program, Voltron, where five robot lion cars merge together to form one giant robot samurai, obviously. I've never heard of Voltron. Of course you haven't. It's not going to exist for another 1,500 years now, Patrick. Yeah, get with the program, Patrick. I mean, really, Patrick. I'm going to stab you in the face, Patrick. Okay, that was probably a bit much. All right, I'll try again. Uh, the Trinity is like how the same man can be a husband and a father and an employer. Modalism again. All right, then it's like the three layers of an animal. Partialism revisited. Fine. The Trinity is a mystery which cannot be comprehended by human reason, but is understood only through faith and is best confessed in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which states that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance, that we are compelled by the Christian truth to confess that each distinct person is God and Lord, and that the deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one, equal in glory, co-equal in majesty. Well, why didn't you just say that, Patrick? Yeah, quit beating around the bush, Patrick. Now let's all put on some giant green foam hats, get riotously drunk, and vomit in the Chicago River to celebrate our conversion. There are more, so just Google Lutheran satire and you'll be uh, entertained and you'll learn theology, so win-win. <clears throat> so, as you can see, lots of debate happens about the Trinity. What is it? What do we believe? How do we think about it? Um, but the real question is, like, how does this actually crop up in our lives as we think about things? Well, maybe you've been involved in conversations with people about um, whether or not Christians and Muslims and Jews and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses all worship the same God. Well, that's where the, the discussion around the Trinity can be really helpful to us. Because we as Christians worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This shouldn't be new to you. We worship Jesus. We are unique among other religions for worshiping the triune God. Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox Christians, we all agree with the Council of Nicaea. We all say the Nicene Creed. Muslims, Jews, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Hindus, they do not worship the triune God. So we are not worshiping the same God. Now, did we worship the same God with the Jews to a certain point? Yes, like the Old Testament God is God as he's revealing himself, but we believe that he continued to reveal himself through the New Testament and through the Son and the Spirit. The Jews believe that that revelation ended in the Old Testament. And so they don't have the full revelation. Muslims think that Jesus uh, wasn't the son of God. He was a good prophet. They don't think that he was crucified or died or buried or rose again, any of that. And neither do Jehovah's Witnesses think that Jesus is the son of God. Mormons don't think he's the son of God in a special way. He's the son of God like you're the son of God, like I'm a daughter of God, like kind of just, you know, we're all children of God, kind of that way. 
So when we're talking about whether or not we're worshiping the same God, we want to be really clear that if someone isn't worshiping the triune God, if they don't see Jesus as the Son of God sent to redeem the world, if they don't see him as the one who died and rose again, who ascended, is coming back, if they don't put their faith and hope in that, then they're not worshiping the same God. Now, you may say, well, what happens to all the worship the other people are putting up? I don't know. Not my job. Totally above my pay grade. <laughs> all right? <clears throat> but when it comes to what we're doing here and how we share life together, we want people to understand who Jesus is. We want people to understand that difference because we think it's, a, it's life-giving. And so when people talk about whether or not we worship the same God, the doctrine of the Trinity helps us a great deal. And it's important to know, too, that this isn't something that Christians just made up. Like Jesus ascended into heaven, and they're like, how are we going to put this together, you know? What are we going to do now? This is a deeply biblical doctrine. There are scholars that even point to Genesis 1, where God says, let us make humans in our image as a, a little tip of what is yet to come. But the most explicit references come at the beginning and the end of Jesus' own ministry. When he starts out his ministry, he's baptized in the Jordan by John. And the Holy Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove. And the voice of the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all together. Trinity. And then at the end of Jesus' ministry, when he's commissioning the disciples to go out, he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Trinity. Paul picks this up. Some of his greetings and benedictions use Trinitarian language. So it's important to know that the Trinity is a deeply biblical concept. It's one that Jesus himself pointed us to. <clears throat> Another important thing to know is that the names of the members of the Trinity come from Scripture. We call God the Father, Father, because Jesus did. We call the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus did. We call Jesus the Son, because Jesus did. And it's important to know that Jesus, because he was human, is gendered, he is male. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are not male. However, because our language is limited in English, we refer to them as he. The Holy Spirit is not an it, okay? You will get big points in all your theology papers if you are very clear that the Holy Spirit is a he. Don't call the Holy Spirit a nit. He doesn't like that. <clears throat> all right? So um, there are people who say, well, why don't we do Mother God? Well, part of that has to do with a response to paganism because in pagan beliefs, there's often this Mother God and Father God who get together and they create the world. And one way in which we say that's not the way in which the world was created is to say we have this triune God, and at the beginning, none of them have gender. And in the miracle of creation, they are all involved. So that's just one very simple way. And there are lots of ways in which the analogy of being a mother comes up in Scripture a lot for God. So things to think about. The names of God, the biblical reason of God, and then... <clears throat> God is one. This is something you have to be really clear out. God isn't like pieces, right? It's not partialism, as our, as our friends taught us. All one. So you may think, well, what then happened at the cross? 
When Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's going on there? Like, is there a turning away? We have this line in our song, how deep the Father's love for us. It says the father turns his face away. Is that actually what happened? Is there this break in the Godhead? No. No, there is not a break in the Godhead. All right? What happens? Jesus quotes Psalm 22, verse 1. In Jewish tradition, that was the psalm that was read on your deathbed. And if you were able to recite the whole thing, you recited the whole thing. Jesus was kind of running short on breath at that particular moment. He recites a verse. But there's also a Jewish tradition that says if you cite a verse, you're citing the whole of a thing. And if you read Psalm 22, it's not a psalm about being forsaken. In fact, it's a psalm about how in our deepest times of anxiety and distress, God rescues us. There's actually a verse toward the end of Psalm 22 that says he does not hide his face from us. And so when Jesus is on the cross, what he's actually saying is, even now, even in my time of deepest distress, I trust in the God who will save me. So, 100 points to Gryffindor. If you can come up with a better line for the song, then his father turns the face away. All right? So work on that before we get to Lent. That would be very helpful. Yeah, it should rhyme. So take a look at the whole thing and see if it rhymes. It may be in Lift Up Your Hearts. I don't know right now. All right, so those are some of the basics of, like, getting the deep truths of the Trinity down. Now, what actually difference does this make in our day-to-day lives and how the Trinity interacts with us? Well, for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Paul, who has a really cool way of teaching us how the Trinity works with us. So, Pastor Paul. All right. So, as we have already heard and seen, analogies for the Trinity can be problematic. If we try to imagine how God is both three and one, we can get into a lot of trouble. But that doesn't mean we can't use our imaginations to understand how God is at work in the world. We can't use our imaginations to understand how God wants to invite us into relationship with himself. How God manifests himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the world and in relationship with us. So, um, C.S. Lewis in the book Mere Christianity actually makes this distinction. I want to read a quote for you. You may ask, if we cannot imagine a three-personal being, what is the good of talking about him? Well, there isn't any good talking about him. The thing that matters is being actually drawn into that three-personal life. And that may begin any time, tonight, if you like. What I mean is this. An ordinary, simple Christian kneels down to say his prayers. He is trying to get in touch with God. But if a Christian, he knows that what is prompting him to pray is also God. God, so to speak, inside him. But he also knows that all his real knowledge of God comes through Christ, the man who was God. That Christ is standing beside him, helping him to pray, praying for him. You see what is happening. God is the thing to which he is praying, the goal he is trying to reach. God is also the thing inside him which is pushing him on, the motive power. God is also the road or bridge along which he is being pushed to that goal. 
So that whole threefold life of the three-person being is actually going on in that ordinary little bedroom where an ordinary Christian is saying prayers. So I'd like to visualize this for you. And to do this, I need, at first, a couple of volunteers. I need two volunteers. One. Great. What's your name? Sam. Sam. All right, Sam, I want you to stand right here. All right, and I need another volunteer over here. All right, Bryce. All right. Bryce, I want you to come up here on the platform. All right? So I want you to imagine now, if God were not Trinitarian, he would be Unitarian. And if our imagination for prayer involves a Unitarian God, this is what we ought to be imagining. So Sam, let me ask you a question, if this is okay to put you on the spot. How does, how, you can hold this if you want. Yeah. How, how does this imagination for prayer, if this were your imagination, how does this feel to you? How does the relationship of prayer feel to you? Yeah, like I'm going to have to pitch that prayer a bit of a ways. He's going to have to catch it. He's far away. It's going to yeah. take some effort. Yeah, and I'm righty, so it would be yeah, like that. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So if we understand God merely is Unitarian, God is holy other. He's high and lifted up. He is not us. He is God, right? And God is distant. Maybe think of transcendence, high above. Yeah, Bryce is really distant here. But now enter the Trinity. So first, what we want to see is that the Father is the one who receives our prayers and the one to whom our prayers are directed. So Bryce, I want you to take a step down and I want you to open your hands up like this. Yeah, that's good. All right. So open in in a gesture of receiving, receiving prayers, all right? So Sam, you are going to, you offer your prayers to the Father. And so we see this in John chapter 4, Andrew. So the, the true worshipers or prayers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Okay, great. Now, I need another volunteer. Yeah, all right, Joe, come on up. All right, Joe, you are going to be the Holy Spirit. All right, and so as the Holy Spirit, what I want you to do is I want you to come over here. Oh, actually, you're going to, actually, that's right, Sam's the, Sam's the ordinary Christian. All right, I want you to come over here, and I want you to put your hands on Sam's shoulders. All right, so the Holy Spirit is the motive power, the one who prompts us to pray. So you may have experienced this as a prayer. I know I have. Oftentimes, you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like your prayers have much effect. Oftentimes, you don't even know exactly what to pray for or how to pray. Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to pray, who prompts us to pray, who gives us words to pray. And so we can see that in Romans chapter 8. By him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. We, we are able to have that cry. And when we are too weak to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that, are too, uh, that we cannot express. All right? So now I need, I need a fourth volunteer. Fourth volunteer. One more person. One more person. Where, where? Oh, yeah, great. Come on up. What's your name? Noah. All right. Noah, what I want you to do is I want you to be the sun. The sun enters into the son of God, not the sun is the star in the sky, right? The sun enters into the picture. Now, if you were an ordinary Christian who decided to walk into the presence of God, you would die, 
right? I want you to imagine Mount Sinai, people trembling at the mountain with thunder and lightning, and the ground is shaking, and they say to Moses, no, 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 you go speak to God and we will listen, but let not God speak to us lest we die, right? We cannot be in the presence of a holy God because we are sinful, and God will not receive our prayers because of our sin. But Jesus, who is the perfect high priest, he is able to walk into the holy of holies and lead us into the presence of God. C.S. Lewis talks about that as being the road or the bridge. So I want you to, no, I want you to take Sam's hand, that's okay, take his hand, and I want you to lead him right before the presence of the Father who is ready to receive our prayers. All right, so we can see this in Scripture in Hebrews chapter 7. Because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is always before the presence of God, praying on our behalf, perfecting our prayers. All right? So you see, this is very different than what it looked like when we had a Unitarian prayer. And so I'm going to ask Sam, if it's okay, to ask you again, how does this feel to you? So much better. So much better. How, yeah. how so? I mean, it's, it's community. It's I'm being listened to. I'm, I'm practically in God's lap. Yes, you're practically in God. You're and enveloped into the presence of God. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's give him a hand. Yeah. Good job, everybody. So whenever we are communicating with God, when we are praying to God, God is surrounding us. God is empowering us. God is leading us and representing us. God is graciously receiving our prayers. It's a community of prayer whenever we pray, whenever we worship, whenever we serve, whenever we're doing anything before God, for God. God is involved. All right, so now those were our words to God. Now, what does it look like for God's words to us when God is speaking to us? So now I need two more volunteers. Come on, you know you want to do it. All right, back there. All right, got one. Need another. Right, right, great. Okay. Come on up. Come on up. All right. Have to remind me of your names. Katie. Katie. Catherine. All right. Katie and Catherine. Okay. So this is what I, uh, let's do this. Katie, let's, I'm going to have you come on up here, Katie, and you are going to be an ordinary human being. And I want you to face that organ and look only at that organ. All right. Catherine, I want you to come all the way over here and I want you to face the organ as well. So, if our imagination for God is a Unitarian imagination, this is what it should look like for God to communicate to us. God trying to reach out to human beings who have turned their back on God, who have rebelled against God, who have, they are the ones, we are the ones who have turned our faces away from God and cannot receive communication from God. At the same time, God is wholly other. God is incomprehensible. God cannot even be conceived by human beings. It's completely unimaginable. So even if God were to communicate to this human being over here, would not, under, would not have any understanding. So what we need is another volunteer. Who do we have as a volunteer? All right, Elise. Elise. 
Elise, we're going to come over here, and we're going to have a conversation with God the Father and the Son are going to have a conversation from all eternity. This took place before creation, all right? And they said, Elise, what I want you to do is you are going to be my perfect representation to the human beings, okay? I want you to go, and I want you to become a human being. What, what we want to imagine this like is imagine talking to a fish, right? You're like, you're like knocking on the aquarium window, right, on the glass, and the fish like gets startled and scared, but they don't understand what you're trying to say. They're not like, you know, do tricks. Like the fish does not understand. That is what it is like for God to try to communicate to or for us to try to receive God's communication. Incomprehensible. We cannot understand or know God. And so what we need is a perfect representation of God in human flesh, to then, Elise, come over here and come up on the platform and stand right in front of Katie and just look right at her, look right at her back, right? So Jesus is there as a perfect representation of the Father, right? So let's look at that in Scripture. That's from Hebrews chapter 1. Next one there. So Jesus is the Word who comes to us full of grace and truth, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Now, we have another. I need another volunteer. One more. One last one. All right, Chris. Chris. All right, we're going to have another conversation, and the Father is going to get involved again and is going to be the sending actor. So just as the Father sent the Son, the Father also sends the Spirit, because we cannot see that. That, that human being over there still turned, has the, their back turned away from, away from the sun, can't see, can't understand, doesn't, doesn't see that Jesus is there as the representation of God, all right? So let's look at that in the scripture. It says there, the Father is the one who sends the Spirit. God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So Chris, what I want you to do is come over here, come back up onto the platform, and I want you to come over here to Katie, and I want you to turn Katie towards the Son. All right, let's look at that in Scripture from, from 1 Corinthians. We have received the Spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. All right, so now, <laughs> yes, yes. So imagine when you are reading Scripture, when you open up the Bible, it is not just a, a human encounter with some words on a page, but it is a Holy Spirit-inspired moment with the Word of Jesus Christ there pointing us to the Father. There is a Trinitarian moment happening whenever we open up Scripture. Whenever God is speaking to us, it is a Trinitarian moment. When we have moments when we hear God's voice speaking through another person, through circumstances, through walks in the nature preserve— those are Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, Father-inspired moments. Whenever we hear and understand and know God, the Trinity is at work. All right? So thanks, everybody. Good job. And the one thing I love, I love, love, love about the Trinity is that the Trinity is the gospel. There is no gospel apart from the Trinity. Right? Apart from the Trinity, we have no knowledge of God. And we have no way of accessing the presence of God and, and, and experiencing fellowship with God. The Trinity is full of grace. And it's a, it's, a, it's a doctrine that we not only have received from the past, but it's a doctrine that we receive from God himself. 
for our thriving, for, uh, for our benefit, for our life that we have, our everlasting life with God. So let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you for the community of faith, which has strived to understand you, who, is, who have begun with faith and have sought understanding, who have been shown your ways throughout time, and have passed on uh, to us um, good knowledge, knowledge that is true and firm, that we can live our lives according to. Lord, we pray that, um, that when we pray, when we worship, when we serve, when we, when we learn and play and work, that we would experience those in the presence of you, our triune God, that would be a a triune encounter, and we would be encouraged to know that you are always with us, surrounding us, enveloping us, being with us. And this we pray in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of God's people say together, amen.